welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Welcome to the ABCA's mini-series, Father and Son. In this series, we cover the coach-player and parent-child relationship through the eyes of the coach and their sons who played for them. This is a truly unique relationship, and this mini-series should be of value to any coach, parent, or player. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy Father and Son. Today on Father and Son, we sit down with Ed and Mick Matty. Ed has been a head coach for 27 years, with 15 at North Central College and Northern Illinois for 12. North Central has won a record five CCIW championships in a row. Mick played for Ed from 2017 to 2019. The 2017 season ended with a College World Series appearance. Mick just graduated from North Central with a double major in finance and economics. Welcome to Father and Son. We're here with Ed and Mick Matthew. Uh, Ed coaches at North Central. Mick played for, for Ed at North Central and appreciate you guys coming on with me. No worries. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having us. And this has been great for me, uh, talking father and son and just how all of it weaves in with, you know, the fabric of baseball and everybody's relationships. Uh, it's, it's dear to my heart because I went through it playing for my dad and my brother. And uh, these have been great conversations. And so I thank you guys for coming on. And I want you guys both to talk a little bit about the decision for Mick to, to come to, to North Central and, and play for you, Ed. Um. All right, so I guess it was mostly my decision. Um, so I didn't play my senior year of high school, actually. I had gotten a shoulder injury in football the fall coming into my senior season. Um, so I made it through one game, and I was just like, I'm not where I want to be here. So I decided to just talk to my coaches and be like, I'm not going to play the rest of the season. Um, I knew that I had that great opportunity with my dad. Um, and I've been going to all the showcases and stuff since I was, you know, like eighth grade or so, just tagging along with my dad on the weekends. So I had that opportunity. So I decided to just use that as like a reset time because I just wasn't happy with where I set my expectations and where I currently was getting towards those. Um, so yeah, and I knew that on top of baseball, uh, the school itself really offered a lot of what I wanted. I wanted to be able to study overseas and the school had a top five program for that. Um, I didn't know what major I wanted to going into it, but I could work on that with the school. They were great about that. I ended up picking up two majors instead of just a single. What are they, Mick? Um, what, are, what are your majors? I'm a finance economics major, so they're, they're pretty hand in hand, but I knew that they're really applicable and I could be able to get a job with them and you know do some good for myself with those. So, yeah. And then I just... You know, my dad had recently made the transition from a Division One to Division Three, and they were having a lot of success. So I wanted to be around that, and I wanted to be a part of that, and I wanted to earn a spot on a program like that, um, no matter where I went. So 
that, those were all the decisions that went to me, like making that final decision to. When did you go finally to- go to him and say, "Hey, I want I want to do this"? <sighs> I think it was just a random day. I was like, um, I think I'm just not really looking at a lot of large schools because we've been visiting all the stuff. You know, we went to like University of Cincinnati and all those different spots when we were out and about. I've been to University of Illinois, uh, ISU, Northwestern. I, I looked at all the campuses, Purdue. I didn't like any of those large schools. I didn't want to take a half hour walk to get to and from class in the middle of winter. Um, I was the exact I, same way, by the way. Like I, I discounted, you know, with what my dad did, I had been on all those campuses as well. I, that never even came into play for me by the time I got to be a sophomore in high school. And I didn't even know if I was going to play college baseball, I, yeah. anything over 7,000 like got booted. So it was basically 5,000 and below be, same thing. Like I just knew I was going to get eaten alive and I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want a big classroom environment. I needed a, a smaller classroom environment. So I went through the exact same thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it was just probably a random, you know, just like a Thursday or something. And uh, I went up to him and I was like, hey, I think I just like North Central as a school. And if I can play with you, that'd be great. Um, so, yeah, th- that was pretty much it. It was really low-key. You know, I don't really have, we don't have, like, those big, like, moments a lot because we're comfortable with each other and we don't need to have those moments. So, Ed, did you have any reservations about it? Or were you, were you okay with him coming to you and say he wanted to do it? I was excited. I was happy with it. You know, I've, you know, I've been watching him play for a while. I, you know, I, I, and, and a lot of the time, you know, I, I would defer the coaching to other people. You know, I, I didn't want, I wanted him to get out there and figure things out. And I don't want people thinking, oh, it's coach's kid, you know, all through, all through, you know, uh, pony ball, little league ball and those things. And, you know, I was, and if I if I was around the team, I was helping with practices. I wasn't coaching the game so much. I'd, I'd be the scorekeeper, you know, in the, the dugout, keeping the book, and just talking to all the kids. Um, so, so for that opportunity, I was I was excited about it. Absolutely, Mick. Did you enjoy your experience then in high school of playing multiple sports? Yeah, I think that a lot of the time, multiple sports will give you a little bit of an edge because it keeps you active in the off season, but it's working different muscles depending on the sport. Um, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I played football. Um, so I liked it up until about getting to varsity. And then I just wasn't one of those guys that was playing. So I was a show team guy and just getting wobbed on by their teammates is just exhausting. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And, uh, we, I was on a team that made the playoffs every year. And from my sophomore to senior seasons, I played on a team with, uh, two uh, set of brothers they uh both ended up going to iowa so just getting tackled by kids like that every day was just yeah, the exhausting with the chief right now yeah he was the linebacker that would chase him down in the backfield yeah <laughs> we had a player at iowa kyle riffle who came there to play football and and gave it up because sean considine broke his back during practice so he's like i've got it. i've had enough of this like i'm i'm not dealing with this anymore and came and played baseball for us and was a great player right. for us but he just he'd had enough being on the practice squad. Yeah. In hindsight, I wish I would have stopped before I hurt the shoulder. Obviously, but, yes. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed it. I think it. I think it made me stronger because I'm not an overly big person. But the lifting in football because we didn't really have a strong lifting program in my high school baseball team. Uh, so the lifting in football definitely helped me stay competitive at least. So. 
So when you got to North Central, how did you guys handle the the father son player coach relationship? Uh, for me, I mean, he's probably going to say the same thing, but he wasn't my coach. The assistant coaches were my coaches, and then he was just he made the executive decisions. But if uh, anything had to be talked about, it really came from the other coaches. I was fortunate enough. I mean, you know our coaching staff, Ryan, and you know Coach Heller's a Coach Heller's a great guy, and he's also the infield guy, so that that was a natural fit. And and he'd known Mickey for a while, and got to know Mickey through you know through stuff with DSP because Mickey had worked in the fields, and you know so so they had a great relationship anyway. So you know I kind of let Joe be the lead guy on the sled with everything, you know, and and I would kind of make I was watching it, trust me, but I'd make certain you know I, I didn't want him to be put in that position where anybody would perceive it's a, it's something he's not earning. Yep. You know, did you have, did you have many, right. Did you have many one-on-one conversations, uh, baseball related is with, with Mick where he'd come into the office? Um, we, we would talk aside from things. Yeah. You know, like I would tell him because as, as going through high school travel ball, you know, even, even through pony league and little league, you know, I, kind of worked with them a lot and everything. So, you know, I'd let those guys talk and then I'd go back to conversations we had kind of framing around what we had talked about, what I was seeing. So, you know, and, and it would, it would be more, um, there would be some instructional, but you know, sometimes it'd be just letting them blow off some steam with me too, you know? So I had, I had to make sure that was there. Mick, growing up around it, how much did that help you then when you got to college? For me, um, I don't know, just having that set of terminology that I understood that we kind of developed so I could better understand what I was doing and put a frame of reference on everything was nice coming from him. Um, it also, it, it, it varied depending on how it was presented to me from other coaches, but for the most part, I feel like I was able to take what the coaches were saying, put it into my own frame of reference a little bit better in that sense, and then work off of that. So that, that gave me a little bit of a boost there just having a coach's perspective on it growing up so do you feel like it helped you then socially to being on a college campus basically your entire life to be able to handle the transition of being a, a college student um the student part yeah I feel like I was very I, I was a strong student I knew going in what I had to get done to both play baseball and get my studies done and for me because I went to a Division three, and I I don't think I was ever one of those, like, you know, shot-out-of-the-park guys that are going to, you know, get drafted right away. I could, it could have happened, but not very likely at all. But um, So I knew that since I knew what I needed to get done. But the same side, I was also watching all this just weird stuff that happened on college campuses growing up. So I knew what to avoid, and I tried, like, my hardest to just – advise my teammates like hey this is what's going on i think you should avoid it um but that didn't always go over the greatest so ed talk about the transition of going back to north central and what that's meant to you and then also talk about 2017 you go to the world series and mix a freshman on the team um you know it was it was a situation that you know and you and i've talked about this but kind of you know some put it, put it in context. It was, it was the right time, the right place. Um, it was the right situation for, for many reasons. Um, you know, and, and, uh, so to be back at a place where for me, where one, I, I, I kind of, 
I grew up, I played there. I, I, that was my school, you know, um, where I got my start coaching, where we had successes that allowed me to get the division one head job, you know, to be able to go back to that and also have the people still in place. A lot of the people that were in place when I left still there who remembered me, um, it was, it was really a, a really comfortable move. And, and, uh, I, I'm still a little, little surprised that we hit the ground running as fast as we did. Um, but, but a, a big part of that is obviously the coaches that are in place and the kids that were there, but the administration was really supportive of, of, of all of that. And I think, I think having been there really helped with that. And, and as you know, in this game to be around a place where you have some admit where you feel like you have some administrative support that's genuine is, is huge. So, so for me, um, it was a great move for my family. I think it was a great move. Um, you know, and, uh, um, it, it's it's kind of kind of kept going that way. You know, we've been back five seasons now, um, the five completed seasons, let's say, and we won five conference titles, which hasn't happened in the in the CCIW since the 1950s. Um, and it's only happened one other time. We've been in the regionals each of the last four years, um, got through the World Series in 20, you know, 2018 20, um, and um was 2018 was 2017 2017 sorry and um yeah that, that was a lot of fun and mick was there you know and that, that that was even more meaningful for me um you know to get to that level first of all as a coach but then to have your son in the dugout with you was was really really a lot of fun and mick you grew up around i mean what did that mean for you i mean i just growing up we saw how much time my dad had to put in for the job um so I mean, when I was first born, I don't remember any of it because he was still in North Central and I was too young. But, you know, I'm getting around age of four and we move out to DeKalb, Sycamore area for him to coach at NIU. And uh, it's a it's a big leap in the amount of games and the commitment that goes into it for coaches and players and, you know, everything, all that. So it was really nice to see him going back and being in a place that he really liked and he got a along well and everybody respected each other from administration to coaches players and to have that all become like a, a really strong success and to be like a continuous success since he's been back so Mick did you have any favorite of your dad's assistant coaches who were your favorites growing up growing up um so there were a few that were around a lot longer than others um so Steve Joslin we call him Jocko was just, just been a family friend um, he would like babysit my siblings and I, and had to deal with our shenanigans. So he was definitely one of my favorites. Um, and then you had some that were just kind of in and out. They were, you know, and I use not one of those big powerhouse division one schools. So you'll get coaches getting in there to get the experience and, uh, you know, try and make that a leaping off point or, um, maybe it just didn't work out for them at that position. So you had a few of those guys like Carcione that were just, real goofy guys, fun guys to hang out with, and, and they're smart. They're baseball smart. They know what they're talking about. So a few of those guys were uh, there when I was getting, like, into my, like, competitive type of baseball playing instead of just, like, Little League stuff. So that, that extra perspective really helped me work with them and get close to them, too. So, And, Mick, what do you, how much longer do you have left for school? Um, I graduate this Sunday. <laughs> and then what are you going to so, do now? Um. So with all that's going on, uh, I changed my plans real quick, and I applied to the master's program at North Central. So I'm going to be getting a master's of finance there and looking for some part-time and full-time work 
while the economy kind of comes back a little bit here. You going to help your dad coach? Uh, I don't think I'm going to. I think that there's still some guys that uh, I know on the team, and uh, they don't really want me around. Because as much as you try to avoid it, there's always the coach's kids thing where people try and avoid you a little bit. So um, I've said that. Um, I think it's the hardest thing that you can do as a coach is coach guys that you played with. Um, you know, and, and some of the guys that I've interviewed, uh, you know, Casey Dom is, is going through it. I think that my brother and I both went through it. I think that's the hardest thing that, that you can do as a coach is, is coach guys that you played with. You can, you can make it work, but there has to be a lot of boundaries put in place with the guys that you played with because they, they know you away from it and you know them. So those, there's a lot of conversations that have to be had between you and your teammates because it just it's a different it's a different animal coaching guys that that you coat that you played with yeah so if he needs a bp thrower i might be out there and hit that or do fungos or something but uh, as far as coaching and talking to the guys I, I don't think i offer as much as some of the guys that are already there can and there's only so much space in the dugout so <laughs> it's a large coaching staff <laughs> takes up a lot of that yeah <laughs> Ed, what do you feel like is the, was the biggest positives out of all of that with, with Coach and Mick? You know, I, I just think just to have the interactions and the conversations, for better or worse, you know what I mean? There, there, there are some great moments. There are some moments that weren't so great. But to, to be able to use that as a, as a means to communicate and talk and connect, um, you know, that's, that's invaluable for a dad, right? And I've, I've had so many of these, and it's great when you, you listen to the dad talk and then the son talk, but then in the back of my mind, as guys are talking about the seasons that they were with each other, I want to go back and actually look at like the coach's winning percentage. Uh, it's some of the best coaching seasons they've ever had, and I don't. I, there's got to be some sort of correlation there with having your own son on the team. And John Kramer played for my dad at Evansville. He and I were teammates uh, I coached him a little bit. He's with the Yankees now, and he said that today because I was explaining what I was doing with all of this, and every guy I've talked to has loved the concept. He said, you know what, Ryan? He goes, probably makes it seem more like family uh, when when you have the son playing for you, and, and sometimes the guys, those players, they maybe see a different side, and they see how important it is uh, just to the family itself and how important baseball is and how important winning is. I just I may have to go back and track the winning percentages because almost to a T, like it's been some of the best seasons they've ever had, win loss wise. That'd be fun to see. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You know what? What about this experience? Do you feel like it's made you a better coach, Ed? Um, you know, I've I've <laughs> I've learned to not be as vocal with things, um, and 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 learned that sometimes you got to let it just marinate for a while and. And, and learn to, you know, you have to have the conversation, but you got to let it come around instead of forcing it. I think that's probably one of the biggest attributes I've picked up from, from the time spent with Mick. And, and not just at North Central, but even like in the travel ball years when I was traveling around or riding in the car and, and those types of things. And I think um, it's just not rushing into the conversation. What were some of the biggest challenges for both of you? Uh, for me, uh, I, because I knew all the resources I had available to me, I've always been real hard on myself. So I set my expectations real high and, uh, 
I wasn't a happy person when I didn't meet my expectations. So I, uh, it's tough to be a teammate sometimes because I was the angry guy in the dugout. But uh, did that? Did you ever get out of that? I think I did for a little bit. I tried real hard, but I I slumped back into it by the end, and that's part of the reason why I ended up stopping because I uh, I wasn't happy with where I was doing to the team, and uh, I wanted to do some other things that took up at that time instead. So and because it does mean for more for you because it is family you are going to put those external pressures on yourself and then you know it, you do make it unfun for yourselves sometimes but you also understand you're doing what's best for the program as well i think that was with all of us you know i didn't play right away when i was a freshman and got a chance and, and played but you always had that in the back of your mind is like okay this this means a little bit more because it is family and so you are going to put those ex, they're going to put that extra pressure on yourself um, and it is, you know, it's, you can get to some dark places sometimes because of that. Um, but also it shows very mature, you know, a lot of maturity on your part, uh, to come to that realization as well, because again, you got to do what makes you happy as well. And that's, that's, that's part of it as well. So, yeah. I think mean, my part is like, you know, you know, this is your son and you just want to see him enjoy the experience. You know, you're not, you're not going to you know, win them all, but, you know, you want to see him enjoy it at least. And, and, you know, when it, when it got to, you know, that point in time, it was, I, you know, I'm glad that Mick came up with um, the conclusion that he did. Um, just like when he came to the conclusion to come to North Central, it needed to be his decision, not my decision. And that was, that was probably, you know, one of the challenges for me is just to make sure, to, to, to back off and, and allow that process to happen and not try to force it because, you know, in the end, um, the relationship that we're going to have over the course of our lifetime matters a lot more than that two, three, four years that we're going to be around the baseball field together. Yeah, my uh, son Jackson, like he played, for, he played freshman high school baseball and ran track and going back and forth, he just wasn't having a great time with baseball. And so he came to a mature decision to stop. Probably not an easy thing for him when your dad's right. a college baseball coach to make that decision, but he's way happier with the yeah. decision to, to just focus on track, much happier with the decision. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So for both of you guys, what, what can we do now to help grow the game of baseball? Oh, <laughs> I think that there's a real there's a real balance point going on right now between making the game fun and playing the game the right way, and those things don't always align right now. Um, some people are taking their version of fun and making it something that's a little flashier than it needs to be, but at the same time, you know, sticking your nose in the dirt all the time isn't fun either. So I think that there's balance that needs to be made that still keeps the quality of play high and keeps everybody understanding what's going on in the field and uh, level head and everybody enjoying it, not just for enjoying it to just win, but to just enjoy the game. So I think part of that is finding out why you actually play, you know, yeah. and that's with anything. I think you have to realize why do you actually play? Why are you doing it? And, and it has to be for the right reason. So yes, it needs to be fun, but you also need to do things with a purpose as well. You're right in the thick of it there in the Chicagoland area. I mean, what do you feel like can help grow the game of baseball? You know, I, I, I get the opportunity to talk to youth coaches, you know, quite a lot. Um, you know, and, and 
to echo what Mick said, you, you, you need to find a way to make it enjoyable for the kids. You need to find, you need to find um, the successes, not in the wins or losses or the hits or the outs, but in the processes, you know? And I, I think that one of the things about baseball is that it, it is a social game, you know? And I think um, kids, kids want to be attached to things. So try to make it fun. Try to make it social. Try to keep them involved with each other while they're out there. And I think you have a better chance to, to have more kids be attached to it and stay attached to it because they're enjoying it. And, and as you know, from coaching, you know, the, the, the more you do something, the the more you have a chance to get better at it, right? You can't, you can't get better at the game if you're not out there doing it. So that's what I talk to the youth coaches about. And then it's, then it's again about opportunities, um, regardless of, of your, your geography, geographical location or, or your financial situation, you know, we need to be able to provide those opportunities out there for, for more kids to get involved in it. And I think if we can figure out what that is and how to how to do that, I think we've got a chance to continue to, to get more people to understand why this is such a great game. You know, and I, I, for me, I think I think it mirrors it mirrors a lot of things that go on in life. And I think that's that's the big attribute about this. I think if if, if you do this, you're going to find out a lot about yourself. You know, and, and it's going to help you in your life's work. I, you know, I, I go back and forth. We've got to try to find a way to get Major League Baseball, college baseball, youth baseball, and everybody at the same table to try to figure out how best we can move everything forward and get more kids playing, but also keep more kids playing. And there has to be right. some outside help financially. Uh, to, to make it doable for everybody to continue to play because it is expensive for, for kids to play right now. And we've got to try to find a way for outside sources to help that happen from a development standpoint. Um, cause it used to be really easy. It used to be really easy and cheap to, to play little league and all of that. And we just don't have as much of that anymore. No, oh, and I mean, we're, you know, we're, I've, I was very grateful for the fact we grew up in Sycamore when, when these kids, these kids grew up in Sycamore and, and, and their model was, it was, you know, the, the, the nine to 12 was, you know, the youth baseball. Um, but it wasn't a little league feeding into a national tournament. They had, they had all-star teams and it was, it was, it was two weekends at the end of the season regionally. Right. And that was it. Um, they had pony league baseball with 13 and 14 year old where Sycamore had six teams. DeKalb had four Burlington had two. So you had a little bit of travel without the huge commitment to leave it on Wednesday and coming back on Sunday night. You know what I mean? And I, I thought that was awesome, you know, and I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't get involved in that, into that big circuit that's out there, you know, so soon. So to, to provide more of those opportunities and to, to reward those opportunities, I think is a big thing. And when you're talking to youth coaches and you talk about fun, like what are, what are some examples you're giving them to try to make practice setting game setting fun? Um, you know, a couple things that I, that, I, that we've hit on and we actually still do in our practices is, you know, we get through our stretching. And one of the first things we do is we get, we get to some base running. We get into that because I think when you're talking to kids, you're, you're talking kids have all this big, big energy, you know, and they're just starting out. Well, let's get them running bases. Let's get them having fun. Let's get them doing these things. Let's get them burning some of that energy. So now you can take it and then go into your throwing and then go into your you know, your, 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 your other things. Um, you can even work in bunting through that, all kinds of different stuff in that circuit. 
but the, the thing that I talk to the youth coaches about a lot is is understanding the, the attention pattern of kids. You know, let's not sit and, and cover bunts for 45 minutes, right? Let's cover it for 10 minutes over four days, you know, and, and, and keep that type of rotation going because I think it keeps kids more engaged. And all of a sudden, you've gone through an hour and a half practice and you've covered eight different things instead of just batting practice or things like that. And I think, I think that helps the flow of practices. Dr. Joe Eisenman spoke on our youth stage at the ABCA. Uh, he works for Volt Athletics. He works with USA Hockey. Um, he's on with me in June, and he's got some really good tips. He calls it microdosing, you know, and, and he talks from a training standpoint, like the, the dynamic warm-up and even some smaller strength and conditioning things you can do with, with youth kids where you're going 10 minutes every day, and he lays it out. You know, if, if you do 10 minutes every day, four times a week over an extended period of time, they're going to become better athletes, Yep. Not just baseball players, they're going to become better athletes. And that's where we're seeing it on the youth side. You know, you have kids that play the same sport their entire life. When they get older, they have injuries. They get debilitated because they're using the same side of their body the entire time. And so they get banged up when they're adults, trying to bring a little bit more of that health issue back where, where we need to train all of it rather than just one specific area. Right. Yeah, and the other thing is give some kids, you know, what I always talk about is you give them some choices. Like you have a you, know, you have a menu item of, of five different throwing drills. Well, let them take a vote on which one of those five they want to do today. You know, now they're a little more vested in it instead of you just saying it's this. Hey, player's choice today on the throwing drill. Which one do you guys want to do? You Ed, know? are you using that with the college guys too? Are you, are you using some player's choices on the college side yeah. as well? We do that, yeah. We do that, absolutely. And Ed, you're in a unique situation with the amount of kids you have on your roster. Go through that a little bit. Um, I think it's beautiful. You know, you carry a large roster, but you make it work. You know, just talk about that process a little bit too. Yeah, you know, being a Division three school, obviously, you know, you want you want you want student athletes, you want people in the school. Um, but but we're very fortunate in North Central in terms of we have some facilities that we can use. Um, that, that we can we can handle. So we carry a roster of about 45 to 50 students, athletes in general, um, but we have eight or nine coaches on our staff, and they're really good too. But, um, you know, so – but the, the, the thought process is, hey, get in here, let's get developing. We practice all as one unit, um, as one team, and then when it comes to – when it comes to our, our game schedule, we obviously have our varsity 40-game NCAA-mandated schedule, but then we also have a, a, a separate schedule. Um, most people know it as JV internally. We call it our AAA team because that's exactly what it is. It's a developmental team. We don't, we don't treat them as, as – they're, they're, they're every bit of a, a part of the team as any player is. Um, so we'll have 23 to 25 games on that schedule for those guys. Like this year we went to Florida. Um, we actually played more AAA games than we played varsity games down there. You know, but but it, it, it breeds continuity. It breeds team. Um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you have kids getting opportunities to play, getting opportunities at bats, showing what they can do, enjoying that, enjoying the moment. And lo and behold, you have an injury or you have your fourth outfielder and he's down there tearing it up and you give him a chance, he's ready to go. Um, so it, it works out really well. 
Um, it, it helps us retain student athletes. It helps us keep kids in the program who might otherwise at other places leave after their freshman year. Now, all of a sudden, as a junior, you know, our, our, our just graduating uh, graduate assistant, Sing Fong, he was he was a triple A player for the first year and a half. You know, and then he became our starting right fielder. And he's the guy that got the hit that won the conference tournament for us and sent us to the regionals that year and got us rolling. Um, Nick Sateros was a two-time All-American his junior and senior year. He, he was a backup to an all-conference guy his sophomore year, but he was he he had 45 to 60 at bats in the AAA program. So, um, you know, but again, we're fortunate that the school does give us some resources in terms of number of coaches, and we have some facilities, indoor facilities, namely for us that we can we use this thing. Um, it creates a little bit more work for the coaches to logistically put together the travel rosters week to week, day to day. Make sure you have the right amount of people going both places, but you know, but it works. It works very well. My dad thought that was one of the biggest switches from where things are at now to when he first got going. Is that it feels like people maybe aren't as happy with the recruiting process and maybe their college experiences because they are not diving into choosing schools for the right reasons. Um, where he felt like people need to be more realistic as far as what they're looking for from college and they're going to have a much better experience. And Mick and I are good examples of that. Mick, I ended up choosing Evansville much more for the education side of it. Um, had some other options at some other schools, but really chose to go to Evansville besides to play for my dad and brother, but to, because of the academic side of it. And, and that made it easier for me to, to rough some things out if it wasn't going great on the baseball field made it much easier for me to stick things out because I, I loved the academic side of, of the University of Evansville. You know, Ed, talk a little bit about the convention. You know, my dad br did bring up, he thought it was unbelievable this year. He got, he got a chance to stay with you guys. So he, he was like, this was unreal because you got DJ and Tim Stoddard talking about pitching. You know, t yeah. talk about your experience with the convention and just what the ABCA's meant. Um. Again, it was it was it was it was another great convention. This one might have been one of my most enjoyable ones. I think part partly is we we chose uh, this year to to stay, you know, off off site, um, but but we had some wonderful coaches staying with us, and and uh, Tim Stoddard, who is our pitching coach, you know, he he spent twenty two years at Northwestern as a pitching coach and thirteen years in the big leagues, and uh, I don't know if I've been around a more knowledgeable guy. Not not only not only not only um, pitching, but baseball, you know, I, I, I keep reminding our coaches and people I talk to, you know, he played for Billy Martin. He, he played for Earl Weaver. He played, you know, for Dick Williams. Um, he was, you know, he was on teams with, with Dave Winfield and Ricky Henderson and, you know, all the great Oriole teams. And, and, and on top of that, you know, the guy won a, won a division one NCAA basketball championship and he was at an undefeated high school you know, team state champion. So, so he, he's been around those little subtle things that help teams win and he knows it. And uh, so, but he's, he, you know, so his knowledge base is great. So to have to be around that every day is huge for us. But then this particular year, we, we, um, Mike Neal is a friend of ours uh, was in and, and he's very good friends with the Darren, Darren DJ, the pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds. And he happens to live in Nashville. So, so DJ came out and uh, it was just, you know, the shop that was held sitting around the living room waiting to go out and to talk about baseball and pitching was just a level up. And, you know, but there are some, it, it was our own little, you know, side session that they have at the ABCAs, you know, and it was just a little bit uh, 
more informal. You know, there's a, a few more colloquialisms thrown out, um, but but it was just good, solid baseball talk and fellowship. So it was really enjoyable. When Coach Stoddard was at Northwestern, I'm at Iowa, and they come to Iowa City to play, and our equipment wasn't the best. So Coach Stoddard rolls out there to throw batting practice, and he's 6'10", so his head is sticking out over the top of the L screen as he's throwing BP. And so the next day he throws, he put a he put a batting helmet on the next day to throw behind that that screen because he had to because I was concerned for him that – he's probably going to take one off the, the top of the head because the top of his head's sticking out. So uh, unbelievable baseball person and an unbelievable person. Um, you know, I've yeah. talked yeah. about that. Uh, you know, we have those conversations on this podcast of just how great baseball guys are and how much yeah. you appreciate how good of people they are because our game does weed the does weed the a-holes out. If you're an a-hole as a player or as a coach, you may be in it for a little bit, but chances are the game's probably going to run you out at some point. Right. No, and he's, you know, and you're right. He's 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 a better person than he is a baseball guy. And and that's what it is. And he's humble as the day is long and he's soft-spoken. Um he's got he's got He's got. I, I, I tell our players all the time that he's got a. You know, he's got a third grade teacher's heart. He's got the patience, you know, and, and just just the knowledge to be able to go about it. And, and he can go down and have a conversation with one of our hitters, you know, in between innings. Who's having, you know, and he, he picks up on these things. So to have him around, and then another guy joined our staff, Joe Keenan, who was at Northwestern yep. for twenty eight years. You know, so it's it's just so much fun to. To, to be around that on a daily basis and to get that knowledge base. But, um, you know, the ABCA, you know, is, is, is a, is a huge, wonderful organization. Um, and, and it, you guys are doing such great things now. There are so many opportunities for people to be involved in, you know, I, I they, they need to keep doing it. Ed, you've been in that area forever. You grew up in Harvey. What about the high school side? I mean, what have you seen some changes with the high school side? I think this is probably the best time to be a baseball coach with the amount of information that we have out there. But what are some some tips for the high school side as well? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that you're right. You've got you've got all this information out, but you've got more people who are are um, baseball people coaching at high school as opposed to people who are doing it for the extra stipend. You know, and 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 they're elevating the game. Um, you know, kids are a little bit better than they. They're a little bit more athletic than they used to be. They have more knowledge, but uh, they may have a little more ability. But it's a knowledge that they need to continue to have. And and I think the baseball people involved are helping that. What are some final thoughts? Final thoughts, baseball wise, or final thoughts for parents, coaches, players? What are some final thoughts? Um, players, I just would say, really, you gotta. It's the mental game is really the part that is the deciding factor for nearly every player that I've seen because everybody's working on the physical portion of it nowadays, but the mental side of it is something that's really, really hard to get around from, um, especially when you're get, playing a game of failures, you know, you're playing a game where your batting average is never going to be over 500 for very long, especially later in the season. So, uh, I would say players, it's it's staying level-headed. It's understanding progress and being okay with progress, not just right away, but throughout the entire season, throughout your entire baseball career is my biggest advice. So, 
I think that's been the biggest change from when I was playing to where it is now. There's so many more resources out there from the mental aspects and peak performance side than we ever had back in the 80s and 90s. I think that's where we're, we're moving the game forward from a performance standpoint is there's there's a lot more resources out there for players and coaches to help with the, the mental side and the peak performance side of things. Ed, what are your final thoughts? Um, you know, for me, I think going back to the, the, the thing that brought us here, I um, really appreciate the opportunity to, to, to sit here and share with you. I know, I know you, I know your brother, I know your father. Um, so I know, I know where you're coming from with this and we've had talks about this, but to sit here with, with Mickey and, and have this conversation, you know, um, you know, as a coach, you, you try to treat everybody fairly and equally you know, across the board and you, your job is always to put out the guys that you feel are going to give you the best chance to win baseball games. But, uh, you know, bar none. And I, I, I expressed this with Mickey, you know, he was, he was my all time favorite player I've ever coached. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that opportunity we had. Well, it speaks to baseball. We, we have this as part of our fabric of baseball and, and baseball is the national pastime for a, a lot of these reasons, because, we are woven within the fabric of baseball in America with, with the relationships that are built with family members, but then also the guys that you coach with and, and the players that you coach as well. Absolutely. You've been on both sides of it too. You've been a coach. You've known it wasn't your own son, but you've coached. So you know what coaches' expectations are. And then yes. you were the son who played for his dad. So you, yep. you, you've got some perspective on this thing. Should yeah. be really good for parents because I think they're just going to see a, a different side that – you know, especially at the college level, it's not personal. You know, you still love all of your guys that you coach. You love every one of them, but you have to make roster decisions that you feel like are best for the program and the team because you're trying to win games. It's not personal. Right. Um, right. And, and more, more parents need to hear that, you know, because they don't – I think a lot of it out there for parents is just it's a guessing game, so they don't get a great feel on, on that side of it. Yeah. Hold on one second. Mom, mom's in the background. Listen, hey, I, actually, that's probably going to be the next round, like probably next year. I may do like a, a coach's wives and then mom Ooh, edition. Don't pick me. She says don't pick her. <laughs> <laughs> she give you a dose of reality. My wife would not jump on there either. Like, Amy, there's no <laughs> chance she would do it. But She didn't like it when I did come home the one night and told her when she was asking how Mickey did. I said, I can't. I don't talk to parents about how their kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> well you know mick on that you know did you use your mom for just to bounce because obviously you can't go to your dad with everything at times when you're playing for him you know how much how much did you use your mom as a resource um i've been a pretty independent person for yep. a lot of time um my mom's a great support she's a really supportive person but um i don't typically trying to reach out unless it's like an emergency, like, or he needs money, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still a person who needs that sort of thing. Cause I'm not over an adult, but you know, you've always been an old soul though. I mean, I, I've known you since you're a kid, like you've always been advanced. Just you, your, your worldview has always been more mature than, than people your yeah. age. Yeah. And I think part of that is just, seeing everything going around you know from people from the time i was eight i was able to watch these guys and what they're doing yeah, so. he was in the dugout a lot and he saw some goo he saw some 
goofballs. Well, you know? yeah, you're and on the bu- you're on the bus, you're in the dugout, um, yeah, you're around college age guys, you're interacting, you're forced to grow up because you're interacting with people that are a lot older than you that yeah. you know are treating you know they're not treating you a whole lot different than they're treating their teammates. So you yeah. you, you, no. you experience and <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the the unique part of all of it is you're yeah. interacting with college age guys and from the time you can walk. So it's, you grow up. Right. Yeah. It was was actually pretty funny because a lot of the the goofier guys, the ones that more treated me like just the rest of their teammates. Yes. And like the mature guys were kind of just like, they they knew who I was and they now I'm just like a kid. So they talked to me on like my level, but the other guys would talk to me on their level. And that's when I like really understood what's going on. I was playing Euchre. I I wanted me to remind you that, you know, there's been a couple of parents that have come to me, you know, since Mick has, you know, been in the program and they knew him and, and they'd ask me things and I, I would explain to the parents, go, listen, I wouldn't do this for my son. I'm not going to do it for yours. No, you've got your job. You're, you're a dad, but you have your job. And that's, you know, parents, parents need to understand that about coaches. You know, you know, every coach wants to win. Yes. They, they enjoy winning, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're putting out the guys that they, they think are going to give them the best chance to win. Yes. You know, and, 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 you know, you modify behaviors along the way and you have expectations and you have, you know, you have parameters, but you still want to win ball games. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. And appreciate you jumping you on too, with buddy. me. Yep. Thanks yeah. man. Take Enjoy care. it. Take care. Get outside. Yeah. See you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks Bye. guys. Baseball truly is America's pastime. We are all stewards of this great game. I'm so excited to shine a light on these unique perspectives. All of these guests show their passion and love for each other and the great game of baseball. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks for listening to Father and Son, and remember to leave it better for those behind you.